Interested in taking a deep dive each week into a compliance or compliance-related topic? Then Compliance Into the Weeds is the podcast for you. Join Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, and Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, as they go into the weeds to flesh out a story which you can use to better inform your compliance program. Both you and your compliance program will be the better for listening to this podcast. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. In this episode, Matt and I take a deep dive into a recent piece of correspondence from the CEO of Airbnb, Brian Chesky. In this correspondence, the CEO told employees that massive layoffs were coming, and he did so openly, honestly, with a lot of transparency, and as Matt and I said, gave a lot of dignity to employees who are going to be laid off. What can you learn from this? Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Today, we're going to take a delicious, and I mean delicious, look at leadership from two angles. Based upon a blog post, Matt has put up called Two Tales of Ham-Fisted Leadership, and that title should tell you what we are going to deliciously talk about today. So, Matt, with that delicious opening, first of all, welcome. Hello, Tom. Good to be here, as always. So Mark Zuckerberg and Roger Goodell, both, uh, perhaps not a full mea culpa, did uh, some serious uh, dancing uh, to change positions over the past uh, 10 days or so. What did you see that, first of all, could you describe uh, what you saw? And then perhaps we could take a deep dive into some of the lessons learned. Sure. Yeah, it's uh, ironic here that for a long while I've considered Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook and Roger Goodell at the NFL both um, somewhat dweebish in their approach to leadership. And I have wanted to do posts about each one individually for various reasons. And then suddenly within the last week, we had examples from each of them of really the same sort of corporate ethics dilemma that uh, I could sense a lot of commonalities there. So I was actually able to take pot shots at both of them in one post, which, of course, I'm all for efficiency. So here's what happened. Um, First, you know, we'll start with Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, He went on to Fox News on May 28th. And in that interview, uh, he said that Facebook should not be the arbiter of truth for anything that people say online. Um, And basically, he was saying at that time that he would not uh, take any actions against any false or malicious statements put out by President Trump or other political leaders or really anybody um, on Facebook unless it is a clear call to violence. Um, But if it is these sort of too cute by half posts that uh, President Trump likes to make, um, then Facebook wasn't going to do anything about it. Well, you can imagine that some statement of that irresponsibility, how that fared with Facebook employees, they did not like it. Um, several hundred of them within a day or two later, they had a virtual walkout, which, as I understand it, means they put like an out of office reply in their email and just took the day off since they're all working from home these days anyways. Uh, but they had a virtual walkout. They had threats of resignations. They had very... Um, vigorous disagreement with Mr. Zuckerberg on internal Facebook uh, employee forums and whatnot. And uh, so eventually, uh, Zuckerberg retreated. And he said on June 5th 
that uh, he announced the company will review its policies. What does that mean? I don't know. But it will review its policies around posts that encourage police violence or voter suppression. It will consider new mechanisms, quote, to review potential options for handling, violating, or partially violating content um, beyond those two binary choices that uh, Facebook has right now. Either they take a violating post down or they leave it up. Uh, They might do something, I guess, like put uh, warnings on the post that maybe it is false or maybe it is encouraging, um, I don't know, voter suppression or whatnot, somewhat like what Twitter already does with President Trump's tweets. Uh, So that is what happened with Zuckerberg. Now, let me pivot to the NFL, where uh, since the George Floyd uh, killing um, earlier last month, and then the social justice protests that swept the country over the last two weeks or so, last week, NFL players, uh, a significant number of whom, I don't know if it's the majority, but a significant number of whom are black, uh, they started speaking out very clearly against um, systemic racism, against police violence. They were very much in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. And by Thursday of last week, an NFL wide receiver, Michael Thomas, he actually had wound up collaborating with an NFL social media employee to put out a video with Michael Thomas and several other NFL players in support of the social justice protests. And that was on Thursday, June 4th. And within 24 hours, Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, published his own 81-second video Uh, which looks to me like he recorded it on the fly with some sort of low-budget camera in his basement. But anyways, he put out a video uh, where he said that the NFL had been wrong to stifle players' social protests and uh, that the league now stood with them as they protested and would allow them to protest and encourage them to do so in the future. Um, That is a big about-face for Roger Goodell, who has been pretty much pretty harsh on uh, player protests, say, kneeling during the national anthem. Colin Kaepernick started that in 2016. The NFL, uh, the San Francisco 49ers, they released him. He hasn't played a game since. Some other players have also knelt uh, during the national anthem since then. The NFL has come down hard on that. They now have a policy that you're not allowed to do it. And now suddenly here is Goodell saying that the NFL stands with the players and encourages their protests. So another about face in the face of, I guess, what you'd call it an employee uprising, just like what happened at Facebook. And that's really, that's the scene that's been set here with these two very different organizations, but essentially having the same sort of problem where employees are rising up against the CEOs to assert their own interpretation of corporate ethics much more aggressively and forcefully. And, you know, frankly, they're winning at that battle. Um, So we had both CEOs pretty much doing about face. The thing that uh, struck me, you have, uh, I've heard you talk about uh, Zuckerberg and his stance previously, but the thing, as I said, that struck me was how the change came internally, organically, from below, up to the top. And whether the top was forced to change, they came to an understanding themselves that perhaps they were out of step. Or something else, doesn't the fact that we have seen change in both organizations, uh, can't we ch- check this off as something positive? Uh, I would check it off as positive. And Tom, to your point there, did 
Goodell and Zuckerberg have some sort of road to Damascus conversion, or did they just realize this is a battle that they either cannot win or cannot afford to fight? Let's just, if we can't beat them, join them. Is it that, or is it something that is a little bit more um, from the heart and innate? I don't know. Fundamentally, I don't care. Um, this is about the organization overall, whether it's Facebook or the NFL, stepping up to embrace social ethics um, more clearly. And both Facebook and the NFL are doing that. So in that case, if I were the employees, I would take the win. It is telling that somebody who came out early in favor of Roger Goodell's statement was none other than that wide receiver, Michael Thomas, who right away said that he appreciated that video statement that Goodell made. And I don't know what the employee sentiment in Facebook is. A lot of people are very cynical that is Mark Zuckerberg serious about it or not. But like I said, take the win. These guys have both realized that they should be standing on the right side of ethics as most people, including their employees, interpret it. So fine by me. Uh, I think this may be our first Damascene moment <laughs> on compliance into the weeds, but uh, it's, I think it's appropriate. And let me dive into or delve into Roger Goodell just a minute, because he is the son of a New York senator who came out against the Vietnam War in 1969 and uh, in an election year for himself. And he was uh, 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 called out by President Nixon and he was uh, not successful in his reelection bid, although he was the GOP sitting senator in New York state. So I, I've always felt like Goodell had that in his background. He had seen someone who put their ethical beliefs in front of uh, expediency before the uh, video that you referenced, um, Goodell had had a, a virtual town meeting with NFL employees, largely in New York, and apparently had been quite emotionally talked about that story. So he actually may have had a Damascene moment, uh, but it's certainly um, interesting the the way that the employees, and I'm more familiar with the NFL story because I've studied this one a little more. Uh, worked literally from the bottom up <clears throat> to make this change. And you correctly noted it was an NFL employee, a social media marketing employee who worked with Michael Thomas, who actually reached out to Michael Thomas to create the video statement. Mm -hmm. And and this uh, really uh, it was a level of courage, I think, for the uh, NFL employee, but it also shows the level of commitment and the level of passion that many rank and file whether they be blue collar or white collar in an organization feel around uh, racial uh, uh, discrimination and want to protest in some way that that may be appropriate to to where they work and how they communicate. You know, it is worth noting uh, for people who might not be familiar with the NFL, what that employee did to reach out to a player directly that is a big no-no in the NFL. You do not do that if you are on the employee side unless you are like working with the team. And this this person here was not. Um, but he did reach out directly to Michael Thomas, who very gracefully did respond and basically, I think, covered for a a weaker employee. You know, I mean a wide receiver who is quite good at the game is far more power. Um, and they but what struck me there was that these are different employee groups finding each other on social media and using really back channel communications to form an alliance to advance their agenda. Um, it is worth noting with Roger Goodell. I mean, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he put out this statement without 
necessarily telling the NFL owners who are his bosses, um, who could in theory fire him, who are much closer politically and socially to Donald Trump than they are to Black Lives Matter social justice protesters. He did not tell the owners he was doing this. Um, so I I do think that maybe he saw a bit more of a, it might be a bit more of a from the heart conversion with Roger Goodell, I don't know. My big question for him is, okay, does this mean if the NFL games happen in the fall, a big if, but let's just assume that they do happen, and players take a knee during the national anthem, is he going to be allowing that or not? Because as of today, they haven't repealed that policy. Donald Trump, of all people, actually sounded out on Twitter with an intelligent question, in my mind. I it, Occasionally, I guess he has them. But he actually did ask, does this mean that players can kneel during the national anthem or not, which Donald Trump would be vehemently opposed to. Goodell's statements to me implies that, yes, he would be okay with that. I don't know. That's where the rubber's going to meet the road. I don't know what you think. I certainly agree with that question and uh, whether in the execution of this, because the policy does exist, although NFL management had made clear they would not enforce that policy. So, um, Many players have said, Adrian Peterson, the most recent yesterday, said that he would kneel. And I think it may be left to the individual players, but the the flip side of that is uh, the last time uh, this issue came up, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, said that uh, no one on his team would do that. So then I think the real test will be when you have a recalcitrant owner uh, who doesn't understand the issues, nor does not want to educate himself, makes a blanket statement. And you have players with quite a bit of power, but also players who are black players, most importantly, who this is a personal issue to them. Yeah. And they feel like they can't not speak out uh, because of the murder of George Floyd and how they they may have been treated in the past and, and how they are treated now. You know, it, the NFL is a bit of a strange creature organizationally because Goodell is the CEO of the whole league. But, you know, you're right that Jerry Jones is technically the, like he'd be the CEO of the Cowboys. And so I think what's interesting here is that this notion that CEOs might not be in step with their employees, social values and core values and ethical beliefs. And let's step away from Facebook and the NFL for a minute. We've seen a whole lot of companies already rushing to make statements in support of social justice and against racism. Um, that is to be expected, frankly, especially for very public consumer facing companies. Of course, they want to be on the right side of consumer sentiment and consumer sentiment is generally against racism. Um, so, I'm curious to see what happens for CEOs who are, for whatever reason, too obtuse or reluctant or disinterested to understand, like, which end is up in your employee and customer sentiment. Um, and Jerry Jones strikes me as somebody who might fit that mold. Um, I will be very curious to see that. And it should be interesting with the NFL. And then there's another stakeholder group that you just alluded to, Matt, and that's the ticket buying public. Uh, many have made clear that they do not want to see black players or indeed any players kneel during the national anthem. And so it becomes a business issue. And is this, uh, should companies take input from their customers or is this such a basic issue or it should be left to the heart of the individual player or is there some other position that I'm not articulating? 
Well, uh, I mean, there's a couple of different ways to slice this. Um, first off, for most professional sports franchises, the most important customers are not actual customers with tickets. They are big corporations giving you advertising sponsorships, and they are much more sensitive to consumer sentiment generally. So if you've got 50,000 unhappy ticket holders versus McDonald's and the U.S. Army and I don't know else, big advertisers who say, we're not going to advertise on this these games anymore – um, if you don't get with the program, like you're going to be more responsive to that. Um, I think that really is going to be a bigger driver. Um, secondly, as to you know the, the players individually, this is where I do see some connections between Facebook and the NFL and several other companies that have been in these predicaments. The most difficult ones are always with groups that have high skilled labor. Um, even today in the crappy job market, Facebook engineers can get another job tomorrow if they want. And so if Zuckerberg doesn't pay attention to that fact, he's going to risk good talent walking out the door across the street to Twitter or Snapchat or some other startup. And they'll just they'll have another job next week. And then Zuckerberg doesn't have the talent. Likewise, if you are an NFL participant ticket holder, coach, owner, whatever, and you don't like this and somebody kneels anyways, what are you going to do? Cut, cut all of the, the players loose who kneel or who think that kneeling is an acceptable form of protest? Because you're going to lose a bundle of your NFL players. Um, it's easy to say that Colin Kaepernick is just one and can get steamrolled and then life goes on. But if it's 100, if it's 200, what's the NFL going to do about that? Are they really going to cut them all loose? Because I don't see how that works. Um, it just goes to show the power of several high-skilled groups that have disproportionate ability to argue their case, forming alliances with other stakeholders for a company. Usually they form it on social media. And when you have that alliance going up against senior management or an obstinate CEO, that's a really powerful force going up against that CEO. And I, I think a lot of CEOs are saying, well, you know, first off, most are on the side of social justice anyways. But even for the ones who aren't or who don't care, I think they probably have some private analysis that this is not a fight I can afford. This is not a fight I can win. I'm going to just go with it because I can't beat them. That is not something you would have seen a generation ago, but it is something I think you'll see a lot more often from here forward of these stakeholder groups forming new powerful alliances to push their ethical concerns on big organizations. And the organizations are going to have to respond. And that's what we saw here with Facebook and the NFL. And they're not going to be the last. Matt, could we end with a few thoughts on the role of the CCO and the compliance function in this? You touched on this on your blog post, but in listening to some of your comments, uh, it seems to me, and, and if I could perhaps tie it to the 2020 updates to the evaluation of corporate compliance programs around the role of a CCO in corporate culture and in maintaining institutional fairness and institutional justice. Do you see this uh, bringing additional headaches to the CCO, additional challenges, or perhaps something different? Uh, frankly, probably a, a, a little bit of uh, both, extra challenges and um, maybe making the CCO a little bit more valuable to the uh, senior management, I would see the ethics and compliance officer's role maybe working in tandem with HR and a few other more second line of defense functions. Like you are the conduit between 
employee sentiment and the C-suite and the board, somebody somewhere will have to tell them, you know, sit down occasionally with them and have these come to Jesus moments about this is where the employees and the consumers are. And if you are not going to meet them there, you're going to wind up having tensions with them. Is that really something the company wants? Um, I think that is probably the closest approximation to what the CCO's role would be here. Could the head of HR do it? Sure. Could you both work together on systems to assess employee attitudes and their feelings about which ethical priorities are most important to them? And therefore, what would this mean? Um, you know, a lot of their attitudes, if they if their attitude is not just what is important to me, what values, but what is the company doing about it? How do I perceive the company doing it? Well, they're perceiving the company's policies. They're perceiving the management's actions. They're perceiving their compensation schemes. You could maybe analyze some of that and then come back to senior management and say, what we are doing is out of alignment with what the employees or consumers or both consider important ethically. And therefore, they're viewing us very cynically and you know we're going to wind up in a bad position. Um, you know, certainly it does not seem like rocket science to me that what Zuckerberg was saying was out of step with most of his employees and his employees are the ones that made him a billionaire. So he should listen to them because if he doesn't, it's going to be hard to stay a billionaire. Um, so those might be some of the things that a compliance officer would think about. Like, how do we serve as a conduit to assess what the culture is, where that eth eth those ethical attitudes come from? Where do they align or not align with senior executives and what they want to do or what they believe? A lot of this is going to be uncomfortable. A lot of this is going to be around political issues. Having the most polarizing president in U.S. history does not help. Um, it is easy to talk about this stuff right now because the vast majority of us are in favor of racial equity and social justice. It gets a whole lot harder with other positions that, Tom, you and I have talked about, such as um, migrant detention or border controls or immigration policy, where people can have much more sophisticated views on either side of that. I, I haven't yet seen a sophisticated view in favor of racism. That's just stupid. And most people would agree with it. It gets a whole lot easier to figure out what to do when it's a more complicated subject. But those are out there, too. And they're going to wind up in the exact same sort of maelstrom that we saw with Facebook and the NFL. Matt, the only thing I'm fairly confident on is this is something we're going to be revisiting uh, a little bit more through this summer and this fall uh, into the presidential election. So a uh, great blog post and uh, I think a great discussion today about some uh, issues that are, if not new to the CCO, are certainly going to be more prevalent going forward. Thank you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of compliance into the weeds. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week where we take up another topic, literally taking a deep dive to go into the weeds of a compliance or compliance related topic. If you have any questions, you can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. You can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you will stay safe out there and make wise decisions in this era of COVID-19. If you would give our podcast a shout out on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.